bonus bitches. I feel like we should turn the lights off for a bonus episode. <laughs> Do you like, want me to real quick? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's fine. Now that you said it, I think we should. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I feel like we need to create like a dank basement vibe. <laughs> this is the after hours. This is actually kind of like the environment that I wish we always recorded the podcast in, in a way. I know it would be too distracting for like the mainline ones, but... uh. We can I'll, get, I'll we can have get, that desire to do so. We can get gritty over here, here and there. Yeah, there isn't a Oops. there isn't a huge focus on this one, so let's let's roll. We're always like much more drunk for this, this <laughs> second one of the night. Nah, we're keeping um, good pace. We've had a couple pints. Uh, Austin, what are we doing for this one? It's not like a ranking or anything. Um, from my understanding, we're gonna talk about uh some of our favorite films that came out in uh, 2022, and we're uh, coming up on a. Uh, the Oscars. It's hell. It's a uh, fucking tomorrow, ain't it? They are tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, we'll do uh, predictions for some uh, major categories, and uh, we'll move on with the rest of the night. It sounds good to me. What do you want to start with, though? Let's roll with uh, let's roll with our favorite films. I think um, I did top five. So did I. Okay. All right. Top five of twenty twenty two. Yeah. My list has changed a little bit because I I watched the twenty twenty two films. A couple of them, you know, into earlier this year. So. One of those is um, The Menu. Ooh, at number five? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah, we can talk about The Menu. The movie floored me, actually. I really, really liked The Menu. We've had a conversation here and there about the satire on elitism and, like, rich people. It's, like, been really ham-fisted this last year or two with, like, The Triangle and The Menu and... Uh, You've been watching uh, Succession. Succession. That's all about rich people. There's another one too, I think, like film wise, mm. that I'm not thinking of. Oh, uh, Glass Onion yeah. was all about like mm-hmm. billionaire like ineptitude. It's getting really tired. I think this film deserves a lot of credit because it balances satire and thriller in a way that I don't really think has ever been done before. The way it like seamlessly transitions through moment to moment, where I'm <laughs> laughing out loud and then. A second later, I'm like fucking horrified. Yeah, the the thrilling elements and the the comedy elements mm-hmm. are given equal love, and I think in a a lesser movie, like one would take over the other, mm-hmm. and that's not the case with the menu. It's a perfect balance. Uh, I don't know how. Like this easily could be like my favorite film of the year. It, it's not, but when I watched it, I immediately appreciated it. And me and Elizabeth had watched this together, and she fucking loved it too. And I like mm-hmm. didn't even want to watch it. I was like, I don't like fucking thriller <laughs> horror. I'm like not in the mood for that right now. Mind you, I just watched the most recent episode of The Last of Us. It fucked me up. I mean, it, I can't do disturbing, violent, uh, over the top very often because it just mm-hmm. fucking hangs with me, man. And I think this film did it in a way where I walked away from it like there were some like really fucked up moments, but. God, it was, like, really entertaining. The fucked up moments are, like, so absurd. Like, mm-hmm. the the scenario is so ridiculous that it, like, kind of, like, takes a little bit of the weight away from it. Uh, I think it's anchored quite strongly by just, like, really great performances. I mean, Ray Fiennes, man. Yeah, he's a dog, dude. This guy's a fucking G. I recently watched uh, Grand Budapest mm-hmm. and In Bruges, and he's in both of them. And he's, like, always so great. And it's no different in the menu. Anya Taylor-Joy, she's good all the time for the most mm-hmm. part. I don't uh, think she's had a performance where she really misses. Uh-uh. Her highlight performance for me is like in The Witch, which I don't think you've seen yet. Mm-mm. But 
yeah, she's great, man. Uh, she's going to be like a, one of the big stars going forward. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, the menu is directed by a guy named Mark Mylod, and he directs a majority of the episodes of Succession. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. It translates. Like, this is his, like, one movie. Besides, really? like, he did a uh, a really stupid, like, boner comedy in, like, the 2000s. <laughs> boner comedy. <laughs> I've <laughs> never you... heard that term. Hey, man. Wait. You have now. Today. You mean, like, Idiocracy or some shit? Like, some dumb shit? Like, Pineapple Express? Um, not quite like those. He directed a movie called What's My Number, I think, or something like that, about, like, a woman that has slept with, like, hundreds of men, and she, like, can't find, like, a, a husband. <laughs> They're they're sex centric comedies. Oh, gotcha. Um, Makes but yeah, sense. The menu, really great. So pleasantly surprised by it. Uh, my number five. Yeah, uh, it hasn't changed from the last time we talked about it. I guess it should be said for people that like really everybody that listens to this, they don't know that we recorded a end of year review in December, and like audio issues caused us to fucking just get rid canned of it completely. We, we canned it. Yeah, it fucking sucks, but. It really sucks because I thought that conversation was really great. But uh, my number five is The Northman. Yeah. Um, mine's still on the Northman's still on my list. It's actually at number four. So, mm, okay. Um, you know, we watched this film together in theaters and uh, off like my fucking birthday weekend. I was like, <laughs> it's my fucking birthday. Uh-huh. I'm going to get the fucking boys together, go watch a movie. <laughs> and it was done like purely off the strength oh, of like God. The Lighthouse being awesome. Um, I think I said this when we originally recorded our top five of the year. Imagine giving Robert Eggers a $200 million budget to do a Viking movie. And that's what we got. With yeah. This. God, man. Again, Anya Taylor-Joy. Oh, man, I don't even know. It's like just so testosterone filled. <laughs> it is so. A lot of screaming. Yeah, it's gruesome and. I am bear wolf. Like just, <laughs> just, I don't know. It's, it's extremely animalistic and, and barbaric. It gets psychedelic at times and you get Willem Dafoe. There's just like some really great elements. What's her face? Uh, plays mama. Mm, Nicole Kidman. Correct. I can only think of her as the AMC. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the way for like a lot of people now. I hate it. I hate it. Cause every time I go to an AMC theater, which is strictly the theater that I go to, uh-huh. it's, Sometimes heartbreak feels good in a place like this. I'm like, bitch, there's a fucking popcorn under my ass cheeks right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, a lot of like bit-sized great performances. Like you said, Willem Dafoe, uh, Nicole Kidman, uh, Ethan Hawke. Mm. Like they all have like these great like small roles. And a lot of it's like centered around Alexander Skarsgård, Ani Taylor-Joy, this anti-hero story, like what you come to find out is a uh, anti-hero story, mm-hmm. at least by the end. This will come up later when we talk about like Oscar predictions, because I don't think it was nominated for anything. It's fucking wild to me. Yeah, I know. I think it might be a little too weird for mainstream audiences. It didn't do well at the box office. No, it did end up making its money back, which like made me happy. Thank God. It wasn't like a complete bust, because I think that would have put Robert Eggers in a tough spot. I mean, although I think Nusferatu was already greenlit before this thing came out, so I think he's a director that would work better with like smaller budgets. Like he doesn't need to make epics all the time. He needs character studies. I mean, yeah, and I think The Witch and The Lighthouse are highlights of his best work. I think The Northman is great, but it's a little bit more expansive than his typical uh, you know screenplays are. So 
I'm excited though. I mean, if Willem Dafoe continues to work with him, like they become a pair in the future, like I think that's something that's going to really benefit Willem moving forward, like late into his career. I mean, he's becoming like an old fucking man. I mean, I know. honestly, like he's like one of the greatest actors uh, that's still working, dude. Willem's face it just works really well for like horror thriller. He he does just a really good job of commanding presence. I want to see him work with Robert Eggers, like almost like strictly. I don't think he's been announced for Nosferatu like officially yet, but um, I kind of expect it. I thought he's playing Nosferatu. Those were like the initial rumors. I mean, remember Anya Taylor-Joy was also like rumored to be a big part of the movie and she's not going to be in it. Really? Yeah, it's um Johnny Depp's daughter. Oh, Lily Rose Depp. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I can see that. That other that guy from the menu, uh Anya Taylor-Joy's date in the movie. Oh, really? I can't remember his name for some reason. He's a fucking Kyle. Yeah, he's the <laughs> Kyle, Kyle character. His name's Nick something. I can't think of what it is. Nick Swordson. <laughs> God. That, that that would be Imagine. interesting. Imagine him in a fucking dramatic role. Let's make it happen. <laughs> oh, Rob, do the uh, give him the Adam Sandler uh, shake up formula. Fuck yeah, give him his, his uncut, uncut gems. gems. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, number four. What you said yours was the Northman. Yeah, right. Uh, my number four is Tar. I have not seen this. I've been I've been dying to see this thing. I was like purchased a physical copy at Target the other day. I think. You should make it a goal to watch this sometime soon. I might be watching this. Uh, I might be watching this in the uh, upcoming weeks. It's a really fucking weird movie. Uh, I think it has like a powerhouse performance by Kate Blanchett. It feels like a biopic about a fictional person, mm. but it's like way better than what most biopics typically are. Slow burn. It's very slow burn. It kind of gives you insight into a situation where it only hints at what's happening. And it doesn't really allow you to like form an opinion on her character. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to explain, but it's it's acted and written like so naturally, where it does feel kind of like documentary like at times. And I think if I go back and rewatch it a second time, there's so many subtle hints, both in dialogue and visually, that I think I'll it'll bring whole new meaning to it. Damn, this sounds so good. The direction is amazing. There's like a six-minute long take in the beginning of the movie where I, I literally could not believe that people were still acting without the camera cutting. And also, it's weirdly, like, darkly comical at the okay. same time. But it won't be funny when you're watching it for the first time. It's more funny, like, after you've seen the ending and then you look at the rest of the movie. And I don't know how to explain it other than that. Okay. But once you see it, I think... You might understand what I mean. Okay. But I think that's all I have to say about it without... I don't want to spoil it for you. Okay. Well, I'm going to be in the same position with my next one, which is uh, at number three, I have Bones and All. Yeah. I. Uh, this is coming to streaming soon. Yeah, it's coming out in the next week or two, I think. Um, sometime this month. This is going to be a film that you love. I, I honestly... like. <laughs> I, I truly believe like it'll be a film that you love, like knowing that you derive some sort of like pleasure from... I feel like you've been really getting into, like, body horror. I do like body horror, yeah. Yeah, that's not my cup of tea. Like Cronenberg-type um, shit? Mm-hmm. Not my thing at all. But this film did something to wrap it up in a way that was extremely powerful and intimate for me, which mm-hmm. I don't think I've experienced outside of maybe uh, Titan. 
like those movies are f- like few and far in between for me. I, I, I don't do it often because I like to like walk away from a film being like, I can go to bed tonight. Yeah. So, but we watched Bones and All in theaters, uh, me and Elizabeth, and people were fucking walking out of our theater. I've never seen that. And I mean, ever. it was a very weird. I mean, to see people walk out of a, of a, of a film, I, I, I don't think it ever happened to me. And like knowing that me and Elizabeth both fucking loved it <laughs> and like it, it was like absolutely people hated it. I think it has like one of the most beautiful endings to a film I've ever seen. It's like a, a romance cannibalism story, which is the weirdest combination. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to be one of those films that I remember. I mean, I don't have a desire to rewatch it anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I, I'd watch it with you if you if it, or if Elizabeth made me. But like I'm not going to seek it out on my own. It stuck with me enough. It was beautifully shot and um, edited extremely well. Uh, good performances by everybody? Oh, all around, dude. It was so fucking good. And it, it's so gritty and dirty. It screams so much this side of the U.S. states. Like, just it being filmed around this area, it feels, like, really close to home. Like, Oh, literally. I mean, scenes filmed in Middletown. It's like dirty Ohio country, like Kentucky, Indiana. Like it's really fucking good, man. Mm-hmm. I think I understand like the walkouts thing because I think the marketing for this movie severely undersold the cannibalism. Yeah, it was rough, I, dude. It was rough. It was bad. Like, oh, I believe it, dude. We've both watched Suspiria. Our our boy Luca can be really fucked up. It was fucked. I look forward to watching one of his movies like in this horror genre mm-hmm. where like it's a more cohesive. I, I thought Suspiria was like a fucking mess. It was. This one, it was really fucking tight and I was really glad. It, it, I walked away feeling like, okay, that definitely rubbed some people the wrong way. But to me, that was a really well put together film. Hmm. I loved it. And like that's saying something because all that shit that I just talked about is not my fucking cup of tea. Well, when this comes to streaming in a week or two, you know I'm gonna be like, make an effort. Yeah, I'm gonna be on it like a fly on shit. You know, <laughs> perfect. There's no other way. Um, number three for you. My number three. Uh, at number three, I have uh, the Fablemans. Yeah, and I I briefly told you about this a couple months ago, but it is the semi autobiographical film about Steven Spielberg's own life. Yeah, directed by himself. I think this movie is like fucking wonderful. It's on my t- it's on my watch list. I, I I'm you hyping it up like gives me hope that it's good. And I hope that I'm not overhyping it because it's like not really the type of movie that I usually like on this level. It's like kind of overly sentimental in a way, which is like something that usually turns me off for movies. Sounds like my cup of tea. <laughs> uh, and maybe it is. Maybe you you might like it more than I than I do. You would think because it's about spielberg's life that it would be all about movies and it is to a degree but most of the movie is kind of about like the disintegration of like his own family who plays his dad it's um it's paul dano yeah that's wild and uh his uh mom is played by michelle williams and i don't know if his parents are still alive but he portrays them in such like a flawed way Mm. like they both kind of suck it's not like abuse but it's more like uh, human flaws that just like keep repeating over and over again. I can't imagine how hard it would be for somebody to like make a movie about like their own parents' divorce, like in such excruciating detail. I could uh, do it. 
<laughs> Sorry. It, it's very strange. Yeah. But it gets to the heart of like what Spielberg like focuses on in like his big movies, like yeah. going forward. Like he has like this eye for spectacle and sentimentality. It's fucking wonderful, man. Um, I wish I knew. I can't remember the, there was a podcast series about Spielberg. It was like a, it was like an audio fiction biographical thing that I listened to. Like this is years ago. It's like something blockbuster, but it's like about like the making of like Jaws and E.T. and stuff. It's like acted, you know, like these, oh, I'll have to send it to you. I bet you Mm -hmm. would fucking enjoy it. I, I don't really listen to podcasts like that ever. Yeah. Which I haven't really listened to podcasts at all. In the last like six months, I mean, it just same. I, I haven't been in my car quite nearly the amount that I used to be, but these like fictional recreations of stuff like that, which it's probably actually uh, will echo some of uh, that film. Mm-hmm. I need to send it to you. It's you would like it. I think when we uh, talked about this top five list on the episode that was never released, I mentioned that Judd Hirsch has a uh, like a cameo in the movie, and I said. His scene was so good, he should be nominated for, like, Best Supporting Actor. Mm. And he was. Oh, shit. Eventually. So, good for him. I don't think he should win, but uh, we'll get into that once we talk about Oscar shit. Also, like, spoiler alert to anybody that wants to see this. Fast forward 15 seconds. David Lynch has a cameo in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. And I don't want to elaborate any more than that. Okay. But once you see it, you'll, you'll understand. understand. Okay. When you got favorite films of the year, I I have to watch them. Uh, number two, we all number two. Yeah, uh, if I remember correctly, unless your list has changed, I think we have the same number two. Banshees of Inisherin. Banshees of Inisherin, man. Oh, man, it's so <laughs> fucking good. You know, I uh, I rewatched like the first hour of this maybe a month ago, mm-hmm. and I went back and I uh, I changed my letterbox rating from a four and a half to a five out of five. You have a, you have it at a five out of five, don't you? Yeah, man. I knew walking away. I was like, yeah, that was a that was a masterpiece. It's like a masterpiece in a lot of ways that I don't even know if I can like explain through words. It was just extremely tight. It was um, subtle. The performances were subtle. It's a natural transition from the beginning that's like extremely comedic and ends up being dark and dramatic by the end. Those comedic elements that are introduced to you the donkey and I'll cut my fingers off and you like me, don't you? All that (laughs) shit by the end becomes extremely tragic and you get this, um, transformation from those themes being set up as this comfort, you know, comedy into despair and this really dark place that actually wasn't expecting the script to go. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I think the advertisement for this film, um, played it, up more as a comedy and uh, by the end of it I felt like um, it was much more deserving of dramatic I don't know if I can even like fucking that was like such a perfect description <laughs> of everything great uh, no you're you're completely right great performances Colin Farrell Brandon Gleason even like uh, Barry Keegan yeah, yeah he was great and like he's like a bit part in it mm-hmm. uh, like he's almost like a non-player but his part is tragic as well it is and it, it's comedic at first but it, it transitions into fucking depression <laughs> like his uh he's got like a cop dad beats like, the shit out like of the, him the village policeman that's like a piece of shit carrie condon like the like colin farrell's sister i believe in the film 
She's excellent. Oh my God. Her monologue to Brennan Gleason's character. Whoo. You're all fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautifully shot. It, it uses um, the location of this Irish town perfectly. Amazing landscapes. The music is great. And it's like kind of, mm-hmm. I guess like the title is kind of centered around like the song that Brandon Gleason's character writes within the movie. The, the thing with Martin McDonough, I think is his name, uh, is that like the director and writer. His writing and comedy style is just perfect to me. I watched his, uh, I think, I want to say it's his debut film a couple of days ago, In Bruges. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of this a lot. Like, this feels like a an even more refined version of what that was. Like, this use of, like, repetition in dialogue. Like, repeating mm-hmm. the same lines. But, like, each time we go back to that line, it's slightly funnier than it was before. And, like, and the, that, the meaning might change a little bit. Exactly. And that just compounds over, like, a two-hour runtime. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a it's that's fucking great. That's really special as um, a storytelling device to repeat dialogue. I don't think it's something that happens very often thematically for dialogue to change in a way uh, to where it um, cascades upon itself into like a metamorphosis of of themes is that's not common. I mean, that's no. a it's a very unique uh, storytelling device, man. It's a it's a breakup story about <laughs> friends. Yeah. And how often do we get that? Like, done in, like, an earnest way. That's a good way to put it. Earnest. Fucking never. It's fantastic. And, uh, yeah, I think um, we're right on track with number one being um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. I think this is a lot of people's favorite movie of the year. And with good reason, too. It was made during, like, COVID. And the filmmaking techniques involved, uh, (laughs) I don't even know how to begin. This movie just fucking barrages (laughs) you with everything. And you, like, end up, like, we, we've talked about this, but it, like, tears your walls down and, like, makes you a kid again. And then it, like, <laughs> destroys you emotionally in a way that you weren't expecting. The first And then half, rebuilds you. It rebuilds you at the end, too. The first hour is so fucking absurd. It's the amazing. Multiverse and dildos <laughs> and, like, all this, like, weird... Uh, it's, like, childish humor yeah. a lot of the time. And then, yeah, it it starts to get emotional, philosophical. This was filmed on like a $25 million budget. It's all filmed mostly in one location. Mm -hmm. It all takes place in like an IRS building. And then like the the variation comes from like these cutaways to the the multiverse. Mm -hmm. It's weirdly hilarious and sad and like uplifting. It's fucking beautiful, man. Like doing like a two minute blurb here as like like highlighting our number one film of the year doesn't do it justice yeah. like i can't wait i know we'll eventually dissect this like in a full episode at some point i hope so yeah for sure i think part of what makes the film so beautiful not to like hammer home the the title but like everything everywhere all at once it like really encapsulates the the human experience of just uh consciousness and like hyper awareness love and hate and violence like sadness and hope and like all these different routes that these characters take throughout the film. And I don't know, it becomes something like extremely beautiful by the end that it doesn't really make any sense. And I think um, in the day and age that we live in, the way the film kind of resonates with 
this hyper awareness social media social media and overload yeah it's this intensity that we live with day to day that is just unprecedented it's it's something special it's a it's a special film and that's outside of like the performance and all these characters feel extremely unique and God damn, there's a fucking grandpa in a wheelchair that has like a rocket on the end of it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's so ridiculous. It's, it's insane, but it's, it feels like it's um, resonating with you in a way that you can't possibly understand. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something special. I think that these top two items that we have on this list are uh, like they're emblematic of fucking classics, mm-hmm. like modern classics, yeah. and especially everything everywhere. This movie will be remembered in the same vein as like Parasite is kind mm-hmm. of like a new classic. It just, it can't be explained mm-hmm. in three minutes. Speaking of like uh, best films, uh, let's move on to uh, Oscar predictions. Yeah, the Oscars uh, air tomorrow. Harvey uh, will be there. <laughs> they'll, they'll bust him out of the fucking prison. He'll be there. He'll be watching from the jail cell. <laughs> you think anybody will thank Harvey? <laughs> I don't think so. Not, <laughs> not this year. Maybe next year. I have this shit pulled up on my laptop. I will read off the category. We're going to go through like a few of like the top ones. Okay. Some we will like totally ignore. I haven't seen a bunch of foreign movies this year, so we're not mm. going to go through like best international film or anything. Uh, but we are going to start off with actor in a leading role. Okay. The nominees are Austin Butler in Elvis, <clears throat> Colin Farrell in The Banshees, Brendan Fraser in The Whale, Paul Mescal in After Sun, and Bill Nighy in a movie called Living, which I've never fucking heard of. Uh-huh. Okay. So we can go into who do you think should win and who probably will win. Okay. I actually think for this category, who I want to win and I think who will win will be the same. And I think it's Colin Farrell for Banshees. I could see a little bit with Brendan Fraser, but I don't think uh, everybody has seen. I don't think The Whale has had uh, as much hype in a U.S. release as it has like when it was touring with festivals. I've yet to see it. And I don't know anybody that has. Same. I've only heard it's an amazing performance, but I've I haven't digested it and i feel like the hype has died down i think colin will win i think colin will win and i think he probably deserves it okay i don't see anybody else winning i mean i could see brendan fraser winning i mean i I really could just as like a oh let's put brendan back on top type of thing i feel like the right choice is colin okay i agree with you i I enjoyed colin farrell's performance the most out of these that i have seen I think Brandon Fraser will probably take it. You really think so? I think so. All these like other smaller award shows have all seen him take the lead role or like, the lead award. Hollywood loves a, a redemption story, and I think that that plays a big part in it. Uh, sadly, I could also see it going to Austin Butler uh, and Elvis. Uh, I thought Elvis sucked. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really bad. And I trust you. I I, fr- I straight up like trust you in that, and mm-hmm. I, I can see it. Once you like started talking to me about it. I, I was like, yeah, that probably does, like, see, that seems like a fucking drag. It's like three hours long. Like, fuck that. Dude. It's a hideous movie, dude. We'll get into it more in other categories because it's nominated for a few things. I fucking hate shit like that. I think Colin Farrell probably should take it, but Brendan Fraser, I wouldn't be mad. Uh, but yeah, fuck this Elvis shit. <laughs> uh, actor in a supporting role, we have Brendan Gleeson and Banshees. Mm-hmm. Brian Tyree Henry in Causeway, which I have seen. Judd Hirsch in The Fablemans. Barry Keegan in The Banshees. And then Ki Kwan in Everything Everywhere. 
Oh. Who do you think's taking that one? I think Keyquan's gonna get that one. I think so too. I really do. Because he's been getting the awards uh in the smaller award venues and uh I think he'll probably get it. I could I, I do think Brendan Gleason's uh performance in Banshees was incredible. But I mm. do I, I think Oh my god. Kikwan is so good. He's so expressive oh and hilarious god. and sad. He made me <laughs> fucking movie. cry. He made I me cry, sang, man. man. It was his it was his dialogue that makes you cry in that film. Oh. I find it funny that Gleason and Barry Keegan are like nominated in the in the same category. Yeah. <laughs> I would argue that Brandon Gleason was like a lead in that movie. I, yeah, I know. It felt like a it felt like a co-lead type of film, you know? I think I definitely think that Kwan will take it, and I think that's who deserves it, mm. honestly. Now we have actress in a leading role, Kate Blanchett in Tar, Anna de Armas in Blonde, Andrea Riseborough in Two Leslie, a movie that neither of us have seen, I'm sure, uh, Michelle Williams in The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh in Everything Everywhere. It's gotta be Michelle Yeoh. Like, who should take it, or like, who will get it? <clears throat> Dude, I, I honestly think... I think it'll sweep. Like, I honestly believe that everything will sweep. The way I've seen the... Because I have a... We have a TV at work, and they have the news channels on all fucking day. In the early morning primetime, they'll talk about... When they're hyping up the Oscars and uh, advertising for it, they keep talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. Good. And I think... I honestly think that the film has earned its stay, and it's talking. And I think Michelle Yeoh and, you know, Kwan have both earned their awards i mean you know same with like brendan frazier and all that stuff but i i can't i can't see her not getting it i could see kate blanchett getting it too i know mm -hmm. i'm sure you, were, you can argue for that as well I, I haven't seen it but i know it's probably a super strong performance by her which probably in everything everywhere all at once it's a performance by everybody so it could kind of be swayed that way towards her i think you're totally right the only two viable players in this category are Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett. In my opinion, I think Kate Blanchett should take it. Okay. I loved Michelle Yeoh's performance in Everything Everywhere, but I think Kate Blanchett's, it felt like a level of dedication was given mm. to that character that's very rarely seen. And I respect that. Even though I, I want Michelle Yeoh to get it because I love the film so much, but I think you're probably right. Anna de Armas being that's nominated. That's so weird. Everybody that I know hated Blonde. That movie, yeah. I heard it sucked. Yeah, it's supposed to be fucking terrible. It's got like weird... Isn't there like some weird shit going on with like the aspect ratio changes a shit ton in that film where like it doesn't make sense? I think so, yeah. I think that movie is supposed to be like super like exploiting towards like Marilyn Monroe in general. Like it's all about like her like having miscarriages and like being abused constantly. Yeah. It sounds horrible. Miserable. I'm not into it. No, me neither. I'll never, I'll, I'll never watch it. I'm a huge fan of black and white, though. Like, don't get me wrong. Same. And I, I like Anna de Armas. I do too. Uh, but that movie's not it. Mm. Actress in a supporting role. We have Angela Bassett in Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Hong Chow in The Whale. Carrie Condon in The Banshees. Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Sue in Everything Everywhere. Um, I think it might go to Jamie Lee. I'm kind of afraid to say that's probably true. I don't think she should be the one. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I think um I don't think her performance was like outstanding in a way that's like powerful, but I do think like her delivery like towards Michelle Yeoh's character towards the end of the film was like mm -hmm. worthy of a of a lead or excuse me, um was worthy of a supporting actress. I could see it going that way. I'm also like I don't know. I mean, that's that's the one I'm most confident in because I've seen it. 
so I don't I don't know. That's a tough one for me. Okay. I think Jamie Lee Curtis will get it because she's been around for so mm-hmm. long and this is her first Oscar nomination. Really? Are you e- fucking kidding me? Fucking ever, man. That's weird. It's super weird. I think it's almost a guarantee that she'll get it okay. for that reason alone. I thought Stephanie Sue had the better performance in that movie though. For sure. For sure. She's way more of a pivotal character. I think she has a lot more range. And also, I mean, like as a dark horse, I think Carrie Condon in The Banshees would be yeah. a fine choice. To she win. dude, my God, she was good in that too. <laughs> God, she was good. She really like held that fucking movie together well. Like she really is a a really good middle ground she's, she's for like, that film. She's like the mediator mm-hmm. for like the conflict. Oh my it. god, it's so good. I, I wouldn't be mad either if she got it. Any of those three would be fine. Seen like an MCU movie get best supporting. I'm sure Angela Bassett's like good in that movie, but I will never watch Black Panther. Me Black neither, Panther. dude. I, I had no interest no. at all. Uh, next category animated feature film. We have Pinocchio, the uh, Guillermo del Toro one, mm-hmm. not the fucking Zemeckis one. <laughs> uh, Marcel, the shell with shoes on. I could, yeah. <laughs> Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Fuck. The Sea Beast. Which I've never heard of. I think it's a. I think I think that might be a. I think that might be an anime. I think. Really. I think. I don't know. Don't quote me. And then we have Turning Red. No, that's a Pixar. I won't get it. Too much controversy around that one. It won't get it. I could see Puss in Boots for sure. I thought that movie was fucking beautiful. I know you watched it recently. Uh, I did, and I loved it. It was fucking amazing. And that and Turning Red are the only two I've seen in this category. <laughs> what was the other ones? Pinocchio and Marcel, the, sho- the shell with shoes on. I could see Marcel. I heard it was like really powerful, like emotionally it was really good. Mm-hmm. But I think um, the animation style on Puss in Boots was really superb. It was actually like extremely surprising for a fucking Shrek spinoff. <laughs> like, I know. Like it was really fucking good. You've got Florence Pugh as like Goldilocks. And <laughs> I don't know, like all the characters had like really good personality. Thematically, it was like really intense. For a kid's Mm. film, and the humor was superb. I agree. I I really could see it it taking the cake. I thought the screenplay in that one was incredible. (sighs) It was really so many moving parts, like Mm kind of like colliding at the at the end. With that being said, I think Pinocchio will probably take it. Mm. Honestly, they do love Guillermo. They do love him. Uh, I thought Turning Red just was not great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I've heard. I mean, mind you, I haven't like really been into Pixar since like Soul. I mean. Yeah, same. It's, just, it's one of those. It enters the uh, the echelon of Pixar's most okayest movies, mm-hmm. like like Brave and Onward and mm-hmm. shit like that. But yeah, cinematography. We have All Quiet on the Western Front, Bardo, The False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Okay, it was th- that's uh, directed by uh, the guy that did Birdman. I haven't seen it yet. Elvis, Empire of Light, and Tar. You haven't seen any of these. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> we can breeze through it. Uh, I think, I honestly think that like all, all Quiet on the Western Front will probably get it. Tar probably deserves it, but that's like all there is to that category, I think. I have no comment. Costume design is like Babylon, Black Panther, Elvis, Everything Everywhere. Miss Harris Goes to Paris. Uh, I think Elvis will probably win that one. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. If it's not Elvis, it'll be Babylon. That's That's what I was thinking. Directing, Banshees, Everything Everywhere, The Fablemans, Tar, Triangle of Sadness, I'm gonna go with everything. I think uh, I think the duo will get it. I hope so. I think that Spielberg will probably get it for this okay. one, just because it's about his own life. Okay, and I don't know. The Oscars love shit like that. 
Okay. Okay. If Triangle of Sadness gets it, I'll fucking riot. <laughs> I um I think it could go that way, or it could go everything directing and then everything best picture. Okay, I could see that happening. Also, the directing and cinematography categories kind of bring me back to like The Northman, mm. where I think that should have absolutely been nominated, nominated. for cinematography mm-hmm. at the very mm. least. Oh my god, the final scene! Oh my god, it was so incredible. And I think we might be moving our way here. This here's one last small category before we get to best picture. I think we have film editing. This is something I care about more than a lot of people do. Mm. I think maybe you do too. I do. We have Banshees, Elvis. Everything Everywhere, Tar, Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Um, it could be Banshees, Elvis, or Everything. I think Everything might get it. I can see Elvis getting it just because. <laughs> everything Everywhere absolutely deserves it. It's juggling so many timelines. Mm-hmm. Like, the editing is superb in mm-hmm. that movie. And Elvis, it's so hideous. <laughs> so I think that Elvis will probably get it. Yeah. Usually, like, a lot of the times uh, with Oscars, sometimes it'll be, like, the most noticeable. So that you can replace the word, like, best editing with, like, most noticeable editing. Yeah. That's what will get it. And I think it'll be Elvis. And they'll throw bones towards Elvis because it's probably not going to get too much, even though it'll be nominated. You know, I was really afraid that Elvis would get, like, best picture, like, a couple months ago. I think I, I ranted mm-hmm. to you about it. Ooh, one last detour before we get there. Makeup and hairstyling. We have All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman... Mm. Black Panther, Elvis, and the Whale. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I think the Batman deserves this one. I would like to see the Batman win something. I think this is the only category it's nominated. Do that? It deserves like best directing or something. Oh, the cinematography in Batman was like great. great. But in terms of like makeup and shit, what they did to Colin Farrell. Oh my God, dude. Was unbelievable. He's unrecognizable. Exactly. Uh, I could see it going to the Whale. Because of like uh, Brendan Fraser's yeah. like fat suit and all mm-hmm. that, uh, but I think Batman should take that category. Mm. Music is something I didn't really pay attention to in a lot of movies. Film score, maybe everything everywhere should get it. I'm not even gonna name off the cat like the fucking people in the category. Yeah. And then we have uh, main event here, main fucking event, best picture. This category is huge now, God, nowadays. Fuck, by dude. the way, it's like ten fucking things. It used to be, I think the limit used to be five back in the day. We have All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar. Banshees, Elvis, Everything Everywhere, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking. (laughs) Who the fuck would want to listen to that? (laughs) Yeah, sorry. I can't help myself. Apparently, I'm going to be watching that movie in the next couple of days because it comes to Peacock for free. Gotcha. I will report back if it's good. (laughs) (sighs) Fuck. Um... I know our answers for a lot of these are like pretty similar. We both want everything everywhere to win Best Picture. I do. I could see it going to Top Gun, and I also could see it going to Avatar for some fucking reason. Mm. But I um, I don't think Avatar deserves it by any stretch of the means. Although I do think it was fucking incredible. It it, uh, it does not deserve Best Picture, but it was, it, it was fucking incredible. I think Avatar is, is at least gonna get best visual effects yeah for sure i might have skipped over that one somewhere along the way it's all right i mean if it should i mean without a doubt i think it'll get that one i want everything to win i honestly think that either everything everywhere or the banshees yeah will probably get best and i'm not gonna be mad about either but i I definitely want to see everything because of just the the constraints involved like the impossible that's been done by the film i think banshees is 
they're just completely different films in a way that it's really hard to sum up. They're they're so incredible separated from each other. Putting them together next to each other, it feels wrong. I feel like they should get there should be a best picture category for like the film that did the the most with the the little amount and uh-huh. there should be the the film that had the the most powerful performances and it's close, man. It's Any close. other year, I think Banshees would have been like a clean sweep. It just so happens to be in competition with like the other greatest movie of the decade, yeah. probably. This is a loaded fucking category, uh-huh. man. I mean, even like like Fablemans and Tar existing in this category. Uh-huh. All Quiet on the Western Front is loved by a lot of people. I think Top Gun Maverick being in it is also like is like actually kind of dangerous. That movie uh, was, yeah, dude. That movie was really fucking good. Like, I'm not even gonna lie to you. The movie was really fucking good. Everybody fucking loves it. And the fact that it kind of brought people back to theaters yeah. makes me scared that it could win. Yeah, I know. I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure it's great. It but is. It is really good. Uh, I've seen the original Top Gun, and I think it's like boring as fuck. And I think the new one's more of like a soft reboot, yeah. just done way more uh, in an interesting way. Let's just hope that everything or Banshees walks away with it. Yeah. We'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> as for the Oscars, I think the only category... Uh, that I did not bring up besides visual effects is writing, which weirdly enough is like one of the things that I value the most Mm. adapted screenplay and then original screenplay. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I honestly don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, adapted screenplay. I think that, um, Oh no, there's not a single person in this, in this one that I care about. Like glass onion is nominated and I, I didn't like that movie. Yeah. And then best original, it could either go to Banshees or everything everywhere. Yeah. I would like to see Banshees probably get that one. I think that that one definitely deserves the screenplay mm-hmm. award for sure. Man, it was really tight. All right, man. Um, we did I, it. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. I mean, I I do think at the end of the day, you're going to have your couple snubs. And then um, I think we want to walk away with like everything in Banshees, like kind of sweeping, <laughs> you know. With a few exceptions, but yeah, yeah. We'll get there. All right, man. We did it. That was, um, I'm excited. I've actually never been like really been this hyped for an Oscars. So I know this is a good year for movies. Man. Yeah, it, it really was. It, this was a uh, this was the comeback year for for films. So I know. Um, we'll find out tomorrow. Getter, if uh, you could do me the honors and uh, give us a give us a sign out one more time, man. Adios.